five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA, and we're going to be talking about CEO credibility, no, CMO credibility today, and we're going to start it off with Andrew Ettinger, who's my friend, and uh, down in Costa Rica, I think, mostly. So let's hear what Andrew's got to say. The biggest problem with being a CMO today is that you have to think about your CEO and your CEO wants instant gratification. So are you going to invest long term into a product that if you don't show instant gratification today, and it doesn't even matter if it's profitable business, it's just that they want calls and they want leads. So if you don't show instant gratification today, you're not going to be in a, around in a year to justify your spend in traditional media. But like we, I've spoken about many times that all media works better when it's branded and all mediums make each other work better. Let's get over to this, which is an ANA article. And um, let's see what they have to say. This is from Chuck Kapelke. It says, can CEOs and CMOs form a better union? A new study says the C-suite needs a more common understanding of what marketing brings to the table. And that is a profound subhead, profound. I remember when I got to be a VP of marketing, which is about as high as you got back in the 80s. You didn't get, there was no CMO, there was no CFO. There was a VP of finance or something, accounting or something. And there was a president and that was it. You know, we didn't have these inflated chief names. I was, I was very, very intimidated, let's say. Why? Well, because the, the, the accounting guy, the you know the the um, the finance guy, his numbers always added up. You know, he had a P and L. He said, "Here's how much came in. Here's how much we spent." It all made sense. It all made perfect sense to me. Okay, it all added up to the penny. You know, it was like balancing a checkbook and the balance sheet and all the rest. Shareholders' equity makes it all add up. But Mine didn't always come out the way I said it would, right? I would project sales for the year. And in four of six years, I think I got within 2%, which is tremendous, really, especially in growth mode that we were in. We went from, uh, we went from zero to 10 million in the three or four years I was there. And uh, I kept doing the sales projections. Um, and so, but, so my numbers didn't come out. And the... And the, and the finance guy would say, hey, your numbers are never right. You know, how am I supposed to manage inventory when, you, when you're off a couple of percent? Okay, and somewhere along the way, it occurred to me that what I was doing was very different than what he was doing, right? And the article is going to go on to say that only about 4% of CEOs have any marketing experience at all. Okay, and it gets a, it this this difference in mindset is crucial because what marketing executives that I have seen tend to do is they tend to focus on tangible KPIs, tangible metrics, and there aren't that many tangible metrics in marketing, right? We can't really see what caused what. We do you know, mailings and orders come in, but the, but the mailing curve, the response curve could be a year long, right? We do ads and we get leads, but 
you know, some leads close and some don't. And if we're in business to business, it could be a vast difference in value. So there's a lot of a lot of um, mm, a lot of mystical stuff in marketing where we just don't know exactly what John Wanamaker said is very true. Half of my marketing is wasted. He said advertising. Half of my advertising is wasted. I wish I knew which half. And that's that's the puzzle, right? That is definitely the puzzle. So how do you communicate that? One way, this article kind of leans toward ask the CEO what they're looking for. And of course, they're looking for sales and growth and sales, profit and growth. Very difficult to get all three of those, right? You boost sales. Oftentimes you do it with a, with a, with a promotion, which erodes margin, right? So you don't make any money, but you boost revenue or you, or you want to boost profitability. So you, so you, uh, focus on your customers and, and less on acquisition and all of a sudden the growth slows, right? They're almost at war. Sales growth, profit growth, and and customer growth are probably, it's like pick any two of the three or something like that. Pick any one of the three pretty much. But anyway, so because of that, the CEO doesn't really, he doesn't know how to get what he wants, right? And, and too often the CFO decides to cut spending because the the marketing didn't work as well as we'd hoped right so the cfo has this idea that marketing is kind of a uh airy fairy fruit loops kind of thing that where we throw stuff against the wall and hope something good happens and and the cfo is the one that keeps the wheels on no matter what kind of rocky weather the ship endures right and it's the marketing guy's fault, although oftentimes if marketing really hits a home run and growth explodes, then, you know, you got to go borrow money. <laughs> Debt increases. you got to invest in infrastructure and in people. And the CFO oftentimes restricts that. It's a very, very difficult puzzle. I'm not, I'm not saying that marketing is always right. I'm saying they, they don't, they, they clearly think differently. They clearly, it, it is a whole different mindset, you know, where the CFO is saying, I'm going to keep this, this ship afloat. The CEO wants the ship to go faster. We can't do it, Captain. She can't take anymore. Scotty says, no, we can't do it. And James T. Kirk has got the pedal to the metal. So marketing has to fit into this lunacy. And is in the worst possible position because they're trying to guess the future. They're trying to use data to tell them where to go next. And, they, and, and all data is historical. Okay. And here's some of the problems. So uh, Marissa Jarrett, CFO, no, CMO, Chief Marketing and Sustainability Officer. Why that gets thrown in, I don't know. Sustainability. Uh <laughs> greenwashing for 7-Eleven says, I always align the marketing goals to business goals. Traffic has a, a direct relationship to sales and profit. And that's probably true. And years ago, I read a really fascinating article about how 7-Eleven 
um, allowed their managers to change up the product display, especially at the point of purchase, based on the weather. And that they found that the individual store manager had a pretty good feel for if it was going to be cloudy and rainy, put the umbrellas in the front. If it was going to be sunny, put the sunscreen and, and sunglasses in the front. And uh, that it that it and and that just giving them the weather report in their daily sales briefing helped them feel like they had some autonomy and some responsibility in the store. I can't vouch for that being continued, but anyway, so so uh, Marissa says she she can align her 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 uh, metrics with sales and profit. Good for her. That's very rare. Okay, um, Jared says, may, or, or the author says, Jared may be the exception to the rule. Most CEOs are not on the same page as the CMOs. In fact, 50% gave answers completely different to what the CMO said their job was and their primary responsibilities. <laughs> most CEOs, here's the important part. Most CEOs lack a marketing background. S the report estimates that just 10% of Fortune 250 CEOs have marketing experience and only 4% have previously held a CMO-like role. There's almost no path from CMO to CEO. Just want you to know. CMO is usually considered an interchangeable part by the guys who hold the purse strings. That's the truth, right? And so... Uh, my, oh, my, oh, my. But CEOs who place the place marketing at the core of their growth strategy are twice as likely to have greater than 5% annual growth compared with their peers. And that could be correlation without causation, right? Um, yeah, it was, it was a fairly limited study, about 100 CMO types and about 25 CEO types. Also, the CMO role has expanded, hence... 7-Eleven sticking sustainability on there, which seems a little crazy. Um, Meredith Verdun, former CMO at Bank of America and a strategic, strategic advisor to McKinsey, uh, said that. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of quotes. This is a great article, right? Um, of the Fortune 500 companies, more than 40% don't have a single growth or customer-related role. Might not even have a CMO among their CEO's executive committee. Okay. It starts with alignment, really listening and understanding what the issues are. And I would contend that's not what it, what it needs. Okay. CMOs are too often worried about impressions and brand awareness. Mark Ritson says CMOs are not getting around, not going away, contrary to the popular press. Um, the best CMOs talk about how they're moving the business which is what the CEO really, really wants. may not be what the CFO wants, though. You've got to be careful with this, okay? The outcome metrics are always sales and revenue, right? Ed C., a partner at McKinsey and co-author of the report, Power of Partnership, okay? CMOs need to make that connection, and that's the essence of the, of the, of the solution, okay? What is the connection? If half your advertising is wasted, why don't we get a new one? Why don't we get a new CMO who doesn't waste half the money? Imagine if you said to, if you were a CMO and said, well, you know, 
CMO, CFO says, it didn't come out the way you projected. And he says, well, you know, half my advertising is wasted. You know what the CFO would say? Okay, well, let's cut half your budget. We need the money. That's exactly what they're going to think, right? And what they do when times get a little tight, markets get soft, the first thing they want to do is cut the budget. And there's some, there's some value to that. You know, it might be what's, what's needed to keep you going. However, there's a better way. And the better way is to always aim at incremental, incremental impact. Okay, what is moving the needle? That half my advertising is wasted is a sloppy and false premise. You should know what's wasted. And if you've seen my Lovesack case, you can see where the, the president, Sean Nelson, who is the founder of Lovesack, he says, our marketing team is really good at spending money effectively. That is the essence of getting on the same page demonstrating the causal impact. How do you do that? You do it by setting up experiments with controls, with holdout tests, with continuing over and over, always test something. And I don't mean just in direct mail. Obviously, I'm a fan of direct mail because it's easy to isolate the causal variables. It's easier to get a good random sample, right? It's easier to know not only the buyers, which all media delivers if they try to, but you can also you can also see the reaction of engaged non-buyers. You can compare the household demographics of engaged non-buyers and engaged buyers. And this gives you more, really more observational power to decide what is really important, what matters, what is not wasted, what are the key factors of your customers and their decision making. That process, that process in the 80s took marketing by storm that we could figure this out. And yet so many never really implemented it, right? I have a book on my shelf that says direct marketing was the greatest idea that was never actually implemented. How do we establish that? Well, we establish it with the scientific method applied to advertising, and that's the essence of direct marketing. You know, you can read Scientific Advertising by Claude Hopkins. It's a 100-year-old book that explains that the direct mail community knew how to do this for 50 years before that. So direct mail has a 150-year head start. And if you don't do direct mail, you should do it at least for this one reason, to do it to identify the key causal variables that matter with your audience and with your offers and with your branding all of those can be researched and identified and mail is the most solid way to do it but it can be done with media it can be done with digital it's not impossible it's just difficult it's difficult because you don't know who sees your ad right so you don't know the engaged non-buyer but there's ways to do better rather than worse you can say make assumptions it's a long process. It's an ongoing process. And if CMOs understood this process, they would have much, much more credibility. I have consistently argued for, demonstrated, and gotten larger marketing budgets, no matter what, in recessions. 
because we could demonstrate what's working. If you can show a dollar going into a box and three dollars jumping out of it over and over and over, and you can explain why, there's almost no limit to your budget. We'll get you the money if you can do that. But most CMOs don't. They don't even try. They don't have an experience at this either. Be honest about it. It's all airy-fairy lights and magic, right? Marketers need to avoid celebrating how many clicks and or impressions have been generated by an ad campaign unless they can show how such metrics directly improve profit margins and or spiked the top and bottom lines. That's your P&L. Okay. Profit margins, not that important. Overall net profit. EBITDA, that's where you need to be. And you need to work together with your CFO and your CEO. Okay. And CEOs should be out front with their customers, whether listening to the call center or going out to the retail stores to really understand what's driving their business. This is more op observational so that you know what to test. Okay, I highly recommend this article. It'll be up on WDMA.org. Have a great day. Like and share. Direct marketing is the key for your CMO. Bye-bye.